I want to show you something in the scripture that is really not real clear to see, but hopefully as I put it together, you'll be able to see it a little better. And that, that's the way it is many times with certain things in the Bible. You get a, a bits and pieces in different places. And the Spirit of God, you need the Spirit of the Lord to take that and put that together for you. Now, we all are familiar with the phrase in him. Now, if you've read the New Testament, you'll see this phrase in many places. You'll see, you'll see in him, in whom, in Christ. Um, you'll see in God also. And Paul, in particular, uses these phrases very, very often. And if you look in his, the smaller epistles, especially, you'll see that. You'll see it in Romans and elsewhere. But I wanted to start in Ephesians and just look at a couple of them and kind of build a foundation because I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this. I guess I could spend some, we'll spend some time. But this is more familiar to people than Christ formed in you. Now, in Ephesians 1, verse 4, we'll start with, Just as he, excuse me, just as he chose us in him, there's that phrase, before the foundation of the world, so that outside of him or outside of Christ, no one would be saved, or outside of him, no one would be chosen to life. And you, we know in John it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's the way. And so our union, when you came to the Lord and you responded to the gospel uh, and you believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you trusted in him as your Savior, we know what takes birth, place, the new birth. If any man be what? In Christ, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. See, old things are passed away. It's talking about the spirit man, the spiritual nature of man. All things are passed away. Now, you, you have a starting point. Now, all things become new. And whenever you came to the Lord, either at that instant or somewhere down the line, you know, weeks or whatever, something occurred within you and you realized that. It was very dramatic to me. I didn't understand it. I didn't know. But I knew that something had happened. You know, there was no doubt in my mind. This is something where whenever we come to the Lord, we are placed in this position. This is a spiritual thing. You can't see this with your natural eye. It's not an emotional thing. You can't, you know, in your mind understand it. But this position you are placed in is a spiritual thing where now you are in Christ. This takes place on, to all those and in all those who are born again or birthed from above. You're placed in Christ. Now, when we came and we made him our personal Savior, we're positioned in Christ and we're, we're delivered from sin, we're redeemed from sin, and so on and so forth. So now, being in Christ... Now we have the opportunity to, as it says in Romans 8, 29, to be conformed to his image. 
so that no one can be conformed to his image who is not first in him. See, that's why there must be a birth. That's why something must take place within the individual. You know, you, you can run into people who are in religion. I know a priest personally, and he knows the scriptures. He knows things in Latin. He knows things in Greek. He knows Hebrew words. But because you know those things does not mean that you are in Christ. It takes uh, a birth, and to continue, it takes the building of a relationship so that being conformed to Christ is something that will occur as one is there. Now, and let me just continue on before I make this point. In Christ, the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God are available to you. Let me read a couple of verses. I have them here in my notes. As it says, in him are hid all the treasures and the, the wisdom and the knowledge of God. In him all fullness dwells. That's in one of the epistles. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, meaning in Christ, in him. And then Paul says this, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God in Ephesians. And of course, we might, I don't think we're going to look at that because that's kind of like a whole teaching right there. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So, in him is the place in which these things can become a reality. You don't just come to Christ and now you have this great fullness in your life. You don't come to Christ and immediately you have the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God moving in your life. No, these things take time, and there's a progression. Now, let me ask you a question. Because you are placed, or a Christian is placed in Christ, can a Christian or the Christian move out from the place of being in Christ? What do you think? Yes or no? Anybody? Yes? Anybody else? Can you back that up with Scripture? Let's go to 1 John. Now, by the way, this very thing, for many people, they don't believe this. They don't believe that once you're in Christ, that's a set thing for eternity. But I would rather believe John than what some denomination or some other preacher or teacher may say. So let me walk you through this. I'll, I'll read one more verse I guess from Ephesians, I wanted to just read one more here. Uh, in him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, in 1 John 1 verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him, see, there's that word again, that phrase, in him is no darkness at all. So what is this saying about him, in him? In him, in the Lord, there is no darkness at all, correct? I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Now, verse 6, if we say 
that we have fellowship with him. And John says this in, in a general way, uh, and he's talking about those that have come to the Lord and in himself, and also this applies to Christians in general. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So here he refers darkness. Now, darkness can have various meanings, but mainly in the Bible, darkness is coupled together with sin. It's referring to sin. So he says that if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, you know, we're, we're lying and we're not practicing the truth. We're not doing uh, the truth. Now turn to chapter 2. Chapter 2 says this in verse 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness now. Now what did we just read in the first chapter? That there is no darkness in him. So that if a person is in him, there is no darkness. And we'll look at this in a second. Just stay with me. There is no darkness in that person in him. So if a person hates his brother, he is in darkness at that present time. And actually, the word, um, see, what is it here? I believe it's the word hate, but I'm not sure. I believe that's a present participle. But I know in verse 11 it is, for sure. Verse 11. But he who hates, that means presently, continually. In other words, this is something that's moving in the heart of the individual. So, you know, I, let's say I hate you. That is something presently in my life. And it's continual because I'm, I hate you. It, it's a constant thing. So he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. So this becomes now, if this is a continual thing in the heart, this becomes a place of dwelling and a place of moving. They're walking in darkness. Now, as I said, darkness is, compared, is, is being compared to sin. So now in chapter 3, verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin. And that's a, this um, does sin is a present tense active voice. They're actively doing this. So what it's talking about is a person who is habitually sinning. It doesn't mean that you sin, you make a mistake, you repent, you get back on the, on the right road here. It doesn't mean that. It means those who, are, uh, who have this thing presently, continually being pushed out from their heart and their life, like hating their brother. Okay, Whoever is born of God does not habitually sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot habitually sin because he's been born of God. So what has to take place here is if a person is going to persist in their sin or persist in hating their brother, that's the example that John uses, then what's going to take place is where they were once dwelling in him in the light, 
now they are moving now to darkness, because if you hate your brother, you're in darkness, even at that present time, until now. Now hold your place there. I was thinking about this this morning. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Let's see here. That's not what I'm looking for. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. So John uses one example of how a person can walk in darkness, and he's using this phrase or the word hatred. But hatred is not the only means or the only uh, way to walk in darkness. I believe it's just one example because hatred, as we see here, is a work of the flesh. So the works of the flesh, and he lists them, hatred, jealousy, selfish ambition. See, so a selfish ambition, a selfish, selfish desire can move a person from walking in light, being in light, to being in and walking in darkness. So to me, it seems, it's clear to me, it might not be clear to other people, from what I see in the Bible, it's clear to me that a person who is in him can move out of the position that they were placed in at initial salvation. Now, back in 1 John 2, verse 10, he who loves. Now, this is also a present participle. That means presently, continually coming out of your heart. He who loves his brother abides in the light. See, that's where he's going to be. That's, that's the place that that thing will take him, that he'll dwell there. So that's why there's so much in the Bible dealing with the flesh and, and with the, the works of the flesh because they're so dangerous and they can take us from a place of being in the light to a place of being in the darkness, and the person can be almost unaware of it, you know, for a time anyway. And they don't know, you know, if you're in the darkness, you can't see where you're going. You don't know the direction. You don't know anything. So the Lord has to somehow intervene, however that may be. Now, in um, Colossians 2, I can't stay on this too much longer. We're going to have to move on here. Colossians 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him. Do you see that? So that if, if a person received Jesus Christ, Paul is saying to them, you have to walk in him. It doesn't necessarily guarantee because you're a Christian, that you're always in him. See, this becomes a very personal and individual thing based upon, you know, the Lord in your life or the lack of, thereof of the Lord in, in your life and your decisions and in, in everything that you do and so on. So he's, and I didn't look this up. This probably, I can guess, it's probably in the command form. If you receive Jesus Christ, walk in him. And then um, 
in Philippians, it says, uh, what does Paul say? Um, I'll have to turn there because I don't want to misquote it. He talks about, um, oh, he suffered the loss of, of all, and he counts all that he lost as uh, dung or, or rubbish that I may gain Christ. And then he says this, and be found in him not having my own righteousness. And, and that is a conditional thing, and be found in him. It's a subjunctive mood. So it's a conditional, it's not a guaranteed thing. So through, through teaching of Paul, the teaching of John, I see an agreement here uh, that a person can move out from this place of being in him, even though they were placed there uh, in that position uh, at, birth, at birth, a new birth. Okay, now, with that in mind, let's go to John 15. The purpose of being in Christ, as I see it, one of the main purposes, there are other purposes there, but the main purpose for being in Christ is so that Christ is formed in you. This is not an automatic thing. See? This can never take place apart from being in him. So that those who walk in darkness will miss out for all eternity because Christ will not be formed in, in them. Now remember when I first started, I said that you know, coming to Christ and being in Christ now gives us the opportunity, as it says in Romans 8.29, to be conformed to the image of Christ. You can't be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ if you're walking in darkness. It's just impossible. So you're not walking in the light. You're walking in darkness. You may be saved, but see, you have this, this thing coming out of your, your heart, your hatred towards your brother, or you, know, you have selfish ambition, whatever it may be. And that very thing there will hinder you and will hinder the Lord from doing in you what he wants to do. So now when you come to John 15, you're seeing something different here. John 15, we'll start with verse 2. Every branch where? In me. See, <laughs> this is everywhere. We, we glance through these words and don't see what it's saying, really saying. Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away or he bears it, he carries it. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. Now, you know, we're familiar with that. So in, in this phrase here, in me, this is the Christian's position in Christ. And, by the way, a person can be in Christ, and you might not know this, a person can be in Christ and not bear fruit. Read this verse closely with me. Every branch in me, in Christ, that does not bear fruit, right? You see it? So a person can be in Christ and not bear fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, okay, he's going to, to prune. He bears fruit. See, so without the pruning, the fruit will be limited in quality. Now, the, 
the root word here, pruned, comes from the same word you see in verse 3 here, clean. Look. You are already clean. This is a form of the same word. Because of the word which I have spoken to you. So let's just kind of change the word so it's a little clearer for us. You are already pruned, or you're in the process of being pruned through the word or because of the word which I speak to you. See, so there's, there's a progression here. Can you see a progression? So you're in him. He wants you to bear fruit. See, he wants you to walk in the light as he is in the light so that there is a production in your life that you bear fruit. Now, in verse 4 here, now things are going to get a little interesting. See, this this process of pruning becomes very personal. It's an individual thing. So that how he prunes you will be different than how he prunes somebody else that may be sitting next to you. See, that's the work of the Lord. Now, in verse 4... Abide in me. So it's still talking about this place in him and abiding in him. So that that is where you find your life. Your life is not in what you want. Your life is not in what you want to do. Your life is not in where you want to go. You know, your life is not in any of these other things. Your life is in him. You know, the core of who you are is in him. So it's no no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. So here he says, abide in me. See, because that must take place. You know, we must be in him. We must abide there. If there is going to be a progression into those things the Lord has for you and I. So he says, abide in me. Ah, now listen. And I in you. Now we're moving on now to something else. Abide in me and I in you. Now when that starts to take place, just like the grafting, you graft, and I've said this before, you put the stem of the branch into the tree, and this is the graft. They put some type of adhesive, and they do it different ways. Okay, and they hold that there. Now, once it's held there for a period of time, a long period of time, not just it's in the tree for a little while, and then, you know, let's move on, and now it doesn't really matter if it's in there. No, it has to remain in that position for a period of time in order for now the tree to grow around and become apart or integrate that, that branch the way it's, to, it's to, to do. So you have the in, in the tree, I'll do it this way, in the tree first, and then the tree in the branch. So there must be a, an abiding in him first, and that must be a continual thing. We must abide in him. It's an internal thing where you abide in him for the long haul. You have to do this for the long haul. It's not that you, you're in him and you, you're a Christian for a year or two and now that's it. No, 
you know, the Lord knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so when we abide in him, for the graft to take as it should, for him to start to abide in us, or Christ being formed in you, this is going to take time. So let's continue reading here. And by the way, this abide in me is active voice. You know what that means? That means that the subject is performing the action. You, as the branch, are to abide in him. You perform the action. What action is that? Well, it can be the will and purpose of God. You know, walking in the spirit. You know, just walking with him. And as you do that, that's the, the, that's the activity, the active voice. You, know, you perform the action. Okay, you're abiding in him. You're walking in the light as opposed to walking in the dark. And it's actually a command. It's in the command form. And it's very important because the Lord commands certain things, and he commands them for our benefit, not for his benefit. Now, the command for an imperative mood can be in various ways. It can be, for example, this, this one here, um, the an entre- command or an entreaty. An entreaty would be a polite command. So I could say, hey, Rich, come up here. Come up here. That's a command. Or I can say, hey, Rich, would you please come here? So that's not kind of like the polite form. Now, how the Lord is saying this, I don't know. But the point is, it's in the command form. Either way. Maybe for some, it's very politely, you know, and there's a response. Maybe for the other person, they have to hear it a little louder. Now, in verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. See, so that Jesus comes back to this time and time again. And, of course, the other apostles in their writings allude to the same thing and say the same thing. There must be an abiding in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So, Paul says, let's turn to Galatians 4, because I actually want to read this, and I want you to see it. Galatians 4, verse 19. Excuse me. My little children, from whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Now, this is formed, is subjunctive mood, which means it's possible. It's not a guaranteed thing. So even even though Paul is travailing for them, see, they have to be active. They have to remain in him, in Christ, and walk in his way, walk in his will, you know, whatever that may entail for them personally, so that the prayer of Paul can be answered that Christ would be formed in them. So now, if, if these two things were the same, Paul would have never even said that. They were in Christ, unless they were walking in darkness. But he says that he's travailing, or he's praying for them, until something occurs in their life that Christ is formed in them. So that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, 
okay? And that you might have it more abundantly. I believe this is where a person will experience or know the abundant life as Christ is being formed in their life. I mean, a person can be in him, uh, a come that you might have life. They can have life. You know, they'll die. They'll go to heaven. Uh, you know, they, they may be blessed to some degree in this life. But the abundant life that Jesus was talking about, I believe, is nestled in Christ being formed within the person because that is a place not seen. Because you and myself must walk with God and we must um, allow through circumstances or whatever means comes our way that the Lord ordains uh, to give us the opportunity to pass a test, uh, to submit and surrender to him, uh, to move a certain way, whatever it may be. See, that opportunity comes to you and so you don't see what's maybe five years on the other side of that test when you pass it. You don't see that. That's, that's pretty well hidden. See, and, and what's over there is the abundant life. What's on the other side, if you pass the test, is that Christ continues to be formed in you. So there is a lot that's hidden here that is not seen by Christians, there's a lot that's, that's shaded there that is not understood until there is, so to speak, a breakthrough. And the breakthrough will be whenever you walk with God through some difficult things and your will has to be laid down and his will brought to you in a situation. And, and you say, well, okay, Lord, I really didn't like this, but I'm willing to go through it. And when you go through it, you come out the other side, then this process here continues. It's a continual thing, Christ being formed in you, being conformed to the image of Christ. You know, that, con that continues on. But if, if I'm going to walk in darkness, or if I'm going to say, listen, you know, I want to do what I want to do with my life. I want to go where I want to go. I want to be what I want to be. And, you know, all that that's the works of the flesh, selfish ambition and the like. Uh, and, and by the way, when you read the works of the flesh in Galatians, do you know that's not all of them? Because he used that word. I just used it, and I, I just reminded me of that. He lists all the works of the flesh, and then he goes, and the like. So that means there's more. There's more that aren't listed. Uh, and so... These things are hindrances to us that we must put aside so that if, as it says in Hebrews, to lay aside the sin and the weights that so easily beset us. So that if, if we can't uh, walk with the Lord and, and we're not willing to you know, let certain things go or pick up certain things that he has for us in our life, then you know, we'll, we'll be in him if we're not in sin. We'll be in him, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Christ is going to be formed in you. See, it takes more, it's more than this Christian walk than you know, coming to Christ and then going to heaven. I mean, there's a lot more to it. 
And so he's interested in having Christ formed in us. And that will take, at times, uh, gritting your teeth, laying hold of the horns of the altar, like it says in uh, Leviticus, and dying. You know, they, they killed the animal and they threw the animal, they tied the animal to the horns of the altar so it couldn't move. That's where it was led. Then it was taken by the priest, killed and burnt completely. Done. Once the animal is burnt, it can't be put back together again. And you, if you walk with God long enough and far enough, there's no way that you can put your old life together, thank God. It's gone. I mean, you can turn back to the flesh and pick up a different... But, you know, there is to be a complete sacrifice, a complete uh, destruction of the old and what was there. Verse... Let's go back... No, I'm not going to stay in here. Let's go back to John... John 15. I want to come back to the same thought again. So now we're seeing two things here together in John 15, 4. We're seeing the first one, abide in me, and then an I in you. See, there, there's, it's two different things. And then when you move down to verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him. Now, this is something different here. You know, Jesus doesn't just throw these words in there. You know that? <laughs> he just doesn't throw words around. If he puts them there, there's, there's something there. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. So, the much fruit here that the Lord is looking for is going to take this dual abiding, you know, you in him and him in you. That, that's going to produce something that just being in him will not. Now, that's not to say that there are not godly Christians and that godly, some godly Christians can't have some fruit in their life. It's not that at all. But I believe that, for example... No, I won't mention name. But there's one of my favorite writers, I'll say, A.W. Tozer. He was a CNMA. But if you really look at some of the things he says, he moved beyond the denomination. See, denomination can be good, but it can also be a hindrance. They bring these certain rules in the, and they have a certain view of the scriptures. And to line up with that denomination, for example, Assemblies of God, you know, you have to line up with what the Assemblies believe. And what they believe in a denomination, you know, because of those who basically set up these rules in the denomination, may not have seen certain things and may not have gone as far as some other people in the Lord, in, in his word, or whatever. So that the denomination can be a, a hindrance. So those who, and not, not that I'm saying that all denominations are, are wrong or bad. 
I'm just saying they can be a hindrance. So with A.W. Tozer, he moved beyond the denomination. And that's very clear to me when I read some of the things he says. Because some of the things he says are not necessarily what the denomination would say. And so the much fruit here will come out from abiding in him and him in you. So the much fruit, bearing much fruit, is going to be a compilation of these, bringing them together in your life. And see, you can sit there and hear this, but that doesn't mean you really get it. You know, understanding it and at least starting to see it is helpful. But you get it through walking with God. You get it through, through going through certain things. You get it through certain tests that you pass. There are things that the Lord put me through. I've never shared in this church. Never. When I was single. Some of the things that the Lord did... And I could see the hand of God. And some of them were pretty darn difficult tests for me. But, you know, what do you want? Do you want God's best or do you just want to make it to heaven? And early on in my life, I said, Lord, I want your best. And I, don't, I didn't even know what that meant. But I knew that I wanted to go as far as the Lord could take me in this walk with him. And so you will have what you really set your heart toward. See, if you set your heart toward the world, that's what you're going to have. That's going to be your reward. If you're going to set your heart toward the Lord, and you're going to decide that, you know, I'm going to go with you, whether I understand it, whether I like it, you know, regardless of what it is, no matter how much suffering it causes me, no matter how difficult it is inside, uh, I want you, and I want your very best in my life, then now the Lord has something really to work with, and then I believe that's when you're moving on to what it's saying here uh, when it's talking about much fruit. M- most people, when they read this, they're thinking about much fruit is saving souls. Well, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about something intrinsic. It's not, you know, even saving souls, I mean, that's good, but, you know, for that all to be right, there has to be seed after its own kind. And, and you know, you lead someone to the Lord, you know, you want to be right in that. And so the, the bearing fruit here is more related to uh, being conformed to the image of Christ, the Christ um, being formed in you, than it is about saving souls, as good as saving souls is. So Christ is formed within you as this abiding is correct. You in him and him in you. So he starts to form. Being formed means that, you know, the nature and character of Christ is being developed in you, as it says in Romans. Now, this is really something else. Let's turn to, we're, we're still on a progression here. This isn't the end of it, by the way. Let's go to... 2 Thessalonians, and don't ask me about this scripture later because I have nothing to say. I'll just give you everything I have, and that's not too much. I just thank the Lord that I at least 
get a glimpse of it. I'm satisfied with that, just a glimpse. Second Thessalonians. Now, this is, this is almost unbelievable. If you see what Paul is saying here, this is almost unbelievable. How the Lord is going to do these things is beyond me. So this is uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.12. Uh, well, let me see here. Uh, let's just go to 11. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. Now, you can understand that, right? You're a Christian. The name of the Lord is glorified in you as you walk with him. Now, listen. And you in him, you are going to be... Now, we understand that the Lord can be glorified in us, but he's saying here that you are going to be glorified in him. You are going to be glorified in him. So I think... Two things. I think that this is down the road. And secondly, that he's talking about this here, this, this dual abiding, and what that produces in the life of the Christian. That that person is going to be glorified in the Lord. Not him glorified in you, you glorified in him. Now, that's all I can say, because I really don't know anything more than that. I, I mean, I can read it, I can see it, but I mean, what exactly does it mean? I'm not sure. I, I think, I think this, is, this is meaning, not all Christians, but those who move with the Lord, and, and I, I, this is not a denominational thing, this is not a per-church thing, this is an individual thing, to where there has been... A development there. This has produced something there that is really quality. And the Lord sees that, and he's going to take that and say, okay, this is going to be glorified in me. So if that's true, it seems as though that's what it's saying. And if I want to live my life as a Christian the way I want to live it, I might be missing more than I ever thought. I might be there when thing, other, other things are happening uh, in heaven, and I might be crying and weeping and wailing because of lost opportunity that the Lord gave us or gave me, but I, I don't now qualify for certain things because my life just doesn't line up with that. Uh, you know, I decided to, to walk in darkness and hate my brother, and I stayed in one place rather than having something else developed in my life. So, so these things, this is a matter of life, see, and life more abundantly. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm more interested in the whole thing. I've come, you might have life. Yes, I, I like that. I mean, it's fantastic. But I'm also interested in the life more abundantly. Now, in Ephesians, let's just look there. Ephesians, this little phrase here, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet, meaning Jesus, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, 
which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, maybe this relates to that being glorified in God. You know, so this all in all thing is, is complete. And in John 17, turn to John 17 in closing. So Jesus in John 17 is praying for his followers, present and future. And in verse 21, he says that they, meaning those there with him and all those who come to the Lord later, you and I, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So you see this abiding thing. It's in different, it's in different directions to accomplish this all, all in all. It's all, all connected. That they also may be one in us. Maybe. That they may be. Also be, may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. Now verse 23. I and them, Jesus is speaking, I and them and you in me that they may be perfect in one. So there's a lot going on when Jesus says these things. And all, all this movement, this is all in spirit. Your abiding in him is in spirit. Christ being formed in you is in spirit. Being one, you know, as it's saying here, that they all may be one just as we are one, that's in spirit. It's not just because you receive Jesus Christ. This is something that takes place in spirit as you become spiritual. You know what the word spiritual means, don't you? In 1 Corinthians 1, he that is spiritual discerns all things. Who's spiritual? The one who is spiritual is not the one who says they're spiritual. The one who is spiritual is not the one that stands up front in a, in a church necessarily. That's not what makes one spiritual. One who is spiritual is one who is dominated by the Spirit. So if your life is dominated by the Spirit, then you qualify under what Paul is saying, he that is spiritual. Not that you know, you're, just, you're saved and that means you're spiritual. No, that's not what it means. It means if you're dominated by the Spirit, if your life is dominated by the Spirit, you're spiritual. So all these things here, all coming together, worked by the Spirit of God to bring about an end, to bring, bring about this all in all. So there, there's more, much, much more than just being saved, you know, and, and all that and going to heaven. There are certain things that, that you and I must acquire here through the opportunities the Lord gives us so that when we leave this life, we take with us something of value, a quality fruit, bearing much fruit. So then it doesn't really matter what other people think of you. What does the Lord think? Other people may not be pleased with you, but it's not pleasing other people. It's pleasing the Lord personally in your life. So the Lord has, as I see it here, this progression. And if we just walk with him, we'll move along, whether we see it and understand it 
in the Bible and are able to follow it or not, it doesn't matter. If we walk with God, we'll move along in this progression. We won't, won't even know it's happening until the body is, is taken away and the glory is, is revealed, as Paul says. So, so it's not our understanding of it that makes it happen. It's our walking out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, that means now that you and I personally are responsible for God to allow the Spirit of the Lord to work in our life, however that is. However, however that plays out in your circumstances, in your daily walk, that is where this process will continue and where you at the end will have something of extreme value that maybe many others don't have. And I believe that there are, there are many here that want that and are directing their lives in that way. So if that's the case, then you need to guard your heart so that that which the Lord does is not stolen from you. Thank you.